How's everybody doing today? Are, are, you, are you glad football season is still in or are you tired of it? Tired of it? Yeah. I, some of you, I know, some of us, we just live on that, you know. We feel better each time, each time our team wins. Of course, if, well, maybe you have the wrong team. Which team? <laughs> Did I? Oh, I won't go there, I guess. I, what we have to, I don't know, something happens to me in football weather. I don't know what, um, let me put it this way. What happens when you have nothing to do, own a sharp life, knife, have a large lime, have a patient cat, forget to take your medicine, and it's football season. Okay, something's not working here. Let's get up to it. All right. Back one here. Let's go back here. All right. Boy, I had to work hard for that one, didn't we? Well, you saw that. Someone emailed that to you a long time ago, I'm certain, but I... That's football, you know. This stuff really starts happening to us when um, when we're I like to think that one of the things that you learn about football is you learn how to be winners. Amen. I uh, one of the special awards that's often given is the Vance Lombardi Award. He uh, um, he used to he's a legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, Vince Lombardi. And uh, you know what I like about him is he's not. He doesn't talk like a lot of people talk today. You know, it's, it's not about winning. It's how you play the game. You know, listen, listen to his language, okay? Because I think it's, in the Christian walk especially, it's all about winning. So you spiritualize it, but let me go down through it real quickly. If winning isn't everything, why do they keep score? Once you've learned to quit, it becomes a habit. Life battles don't always go to the stronger and the faster man, but the sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. Show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. The difference between a successful person and others who do not lack strength and not lack knowledge, but rather lack of will. Winners never quit and quitters never win. Winning is not something, winning is not something that is all about all the time thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't just do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. Winning is not everything, but wanting to win is. Winning is everything. It's the only thing. And that's our theme kind of this year is found football. Winning is everything. But anyhow, um, there's some things that's so important for us to win, isn't it? Our families, our church life, our own spiritual lives. Um, so I want to I go to some areas, an area this morning that I think is so important when we start talking about football. Now, I kind of missed a lead-in sermon that goes into this, drafted in the first round. I, I would like to get you to have that feel that know that God cares so much that he drafts you in the first round. But I'd like to jump right into what I would call starting for spring, string. If I'm a Christian... You say, and I'm not very good. Well, you're always looking at yourself, wondering where you are. Well, I want to tell you something this morning. I believe God has called you to start first string. I hear you. Maybe you say, I'm not one of those saints. You know, you kind of put quotations around it. But I want you to know this morning that God loves you so much that he has called you in a special way. I remember some years ago, just listen, I'm a Redskin fan. I guess you couldn't tell that. It took a little bit for you to guess that. 
But I remember when Joe Gibbs come back and he was going through his roster and you're getting right back down. You know, some of us, football starts, well, when does football start? I think it is that year round. But, uh, when, but when you come down to, and they're starting to put the line up and they have to cut all the players. I remember 12, uh, the roster several, uh, several years back where the several veterans got cut. Reagan, Upshaw, and 21 other play, players were cut from the Redskins lineup to reach a 53 limit for the regular season. And there's something sad about getting that cut, isn't it? I remember Joel, who has attended here sometime at our church, I remember he always played so hard at football. He wanted to, to make the team and really play well, and every year it seemed like he'd have an accident, he'd break an arm, maybe running, running his bicycle the wrong place, or something would have happened three or four years in a row, and he never got to start. And, um, well, he changed from football. He became um, a swimmer and actually set some records at his high school. So, But all of us, God wants us to be winners, and I would like to talk about that. What I would call it is making the cut. Here's what the Scripture says. Put on the new self who's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of one who has created him. One of our problems... I believe in making that cut or starting for a string is so often our image of ourselves, who we think we are in Christ. Well, I guess the question could be asked, how much are people really worth? Have you ever asked that question? Well, go ahead and ask. If you'd ask a person at the biomedical company, they would tell you that a person, if you take all the elements out of a person, they're worth 6600 dollars a pound now some of you are worth more than others does that make you does that make you feel good this morning the illinois general assembly the lawmakers there they believe that's according to the maximum amount that survivors can get if you're killed in an industrial accident in workman's continent law some years back you're worth five hundred and seventy eight thousand four hundred and twenty dollars and thirty one cents if you ask a federal government you'd say have you put a price tag on human life and they would say something like this. Yes, if you would go to the Department of Transportation, they'd say $1 million. If you would go to Consumer Safety Commission, they'd say $2 million. The Mental Protection Agency, they kind of hedge on this. They say it's between $475 to $8.3 million. If you go to the IRS, they will tell you you're worth every penny we can squeeze out of you. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so much about that. But do you see how the philosophy of life, what you think about yourself and how much you're worth, how much it shapes where you really are, even in the spiritual realm? That's what I want to talk to you about. I believe it's the most important thing that I could even share. That's one reason why I use it on special days like this. This is our the Sunday we tailgate Sunday morning worship. I would like to start off with just talking to you for a few minutes about your intrinsic value to God. What does God see in us? Isn't that what's really important? Genesis 1.27 puts it this way. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and female created him. What is it like to be made in the image of God? What are the practical implications of actually being in the image of God? Now, we're not in a physical image because God is a spirit, right? We understand it. But there's something about us, I believe, and if the image of God is interpreted these qualities, it reflects that the very nature of God and many of the things 
about God that sets us apart from the animal world around us. Um, our intellectual capability, our creativity, um, our ability to communicate or not communicate sometimes, our innate sense of what is right and wrong, and our self-will is all part of what that image is. It's a spiritual dimension because it also is a very thing that develops the mention of our relationship with God. Did you realize that God wants to be a part of your life? We have to understand what that means to be created in his image. Because there's two major implications, I believe, about being made in the image of God. First of all, that should set our all self-worth, shouldn't it? If you're in the image of God. Secondly, it elevates our attitude toward others. When we begin to look around, nobody's just a nobody in our church, amen? Everybody's worth something because they are in the image of God. We are his masterpiece, the zenith. We are his crowning achievement of creation. Some time ago, the Pharisees came to Jesus. He thought Jesus, they thought Jesus was a zealot, so they thought, well, hey, we're going to trap him. So they took out a coin. And on that coin, of course, was Roman money. And he said, they said, um, well, first they asked, do you think we ought to pay our taxes? And, of course, there's some, well, I won't go there. But, um, but they thought they'd catch Jesus in an anti-government thing, you know. Why should you pay taxes like the Maccabees and some of the people before them? They were reformers. And Jesus said, show me a coin. And they showed him a coin, and it says, whose picture or image is on that? And they said, it is Caesar's. And that's when Jesus said, Caesar's? Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to him, but everything that belongs to God must be given to God. You see, when we're in the image of God, we must understand some things. There's a value there. There's a value there that's very important for us to understand. Well, I brought some play toys along here today, isn't it? You get bored just to me preaching every Sunday, so I thought I would try to illustrate this the best that I could do, all right? What I, what I would like to do is um, I would like to take a $20 bill. Now, if I was rich, I'd do this with a $100 bill so it would look a little bit more classy, you know. But um, you see this $20 bill? Just, now, I know that doesn't buy very much today, but it's still great to have a $20 bill. I mean, I had to beg, but my wife let me carry it today. But, um, but you take this $20 bill, it's just like it's, there's a value there, no matter what. If I could take that $20 bill and wad it up, maybe throw it down the ground, trample around on it. In fact, let's, let's carry a little bit beyond that. You know, if you've been around, this is North Carolina. Anybody know anything, have any stories about... North Carolina, red mud. We used to have a church that we had this light carpet in the hallways, dark. It was really decorative. But when you, uh, when you took that, when people, our children would run out in the mud, in that red mud, you know, and then they would begin to put that down in that red mud. I'm going to put a glove on. Isn't that what we do with people that maybe we think they might stain us a little bit? We get the gloves on. So let me get the gloves on tonight, today, this morning. But you take that dollar bill and you get down in that red mud and they get stained. Have you seen people whose lives become stained like that? Huh? Look at that. Isn't that, isn't that really nice? In fact, I, I thought, well, that's not enough. I got over in my wife's compost, manure compost pile, all right? And I thought, well, maybe that would be more a, re a representation 
of what people, how they get their lives messed up. And you get down in there and you get that all messed You guys smell that down there? I hope that doesn't ruin your, anybody's lunch here. But um, that is just plumb nasty, isn't it? Now what I'm going to do, you see that, see that dollar bill? The first, the $20 bill, the first person who would like to come up and get this, I'll give it to them. Will you do that? Okay. You know, you know that is nasty. That isn't real manure on that, by the way. <laughs> I just had to, I had to make it fun. All right. Uh, does that not illustrate what life is all about, how God created us in an image? There is a value there that no matter how much red mud, no matter how many stains, what has, while people look at you and say, they stink, I can't stand them, I want you to know that God has stamped a value on you. You were created in his image. So second thing I would like to talk to you about because of that, I believe that God has a willingness to take a chance on you. Not that you would be sitting on a bench, but he says to you, I want you to start first string. I want you to get in there and become a player within his great football game and start. I, I always like the stories Lee Strobel tells. He talks about one day back in grade school, they used to play kickball. It was a fifth grade, you know. He was a good player, and there was a bunch of kids who were good players. But there was two nerdy kids there. And they, one had big, thick glasses. They could study. They were clumsy. They, they were always named last. Well, it became Lee's turn to to pick the team in another boy's term, and they decided, and they picked Billy and Jerry first. And when they called out, Billy, Billy's eyes lit up, and he was just startled. I get to be first picked today. Well, I'm here to tell you, I would like something to stir in you, that you're not just a one of those Christians that need to go to church. God is calling you this morning to be first string. He's calling you first, not last. There's an ancient hymn that goes something like this, and, O Lord and Ruler, your name is wonderful in every prayer in the world. You let your glory be seen in the heavens above with praises from children and from tiny infants. You have built a fortress. It makes your enemies silent, and who turns against you is left speechless. That is really good, isn't it? I could sing that. That is kind of like some of the worship we were doing this morning, wasn't it? But he goes on to say something like this. I often think of the heavens your hands have made and the moon and the stars you placed in them, and then I ask, what do you care about us humans? Why are you concerned for us weaklings? You have made us a little lower than yourself, and you have crowned us with glory and honor. I tell you, I don't know what God sees in me, what he sees in you, but it certainly is great, isn't it? that he cares this much. He gave us the power to rule the world that we live in. Psalm, the 8th chapter, and verse 8, puts it this way. You let us rule everything your hands have made. You have put all of it under your power. Now, I don't want you to get puffed up. I, I think that sometimes I, got, I miss it. You know, you know, I do the high five at the end of the, during game day. I think I should have had us all gather in the front of the church and raise our hands together and put in a thing. We're number one. We're number one. Maybe, maybe we could have got this thing rolling a little bit faster. But I'm not asking you to just call out you're number one or be puffed up in yourself. It's what God has made you. 
that makes you so special. So what is our problem? Well, I would say, first of all, there's a lot of false information out there. The world that you live in doesn't believe everybody is created with a special destiny or a special calling, a special place. There's, a, there's an elite few that perhaps can be in stardom. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is calling you. There's Satan. Satan does everything in his power to destroy your self-esteem and make you think that you're nobody. And our, you know, our own failure kind of works in here someplace, doesn't it? Come on, doesn't it? We get to looking at ourselves and why we have we've done all this. And you say, when you look at your fellow brother there, sometimes you look at them, they do, it doesn't look too much like the image of God stamped in it, does it? Second thing I would like to point out to you, seeing the human, fallen human temporal man, that's a sad thing. And sometimes we can't get past it to see the glory of God and what God has given you. I always like the story or if you would walk into an antique store and you'd see an old painting over there. It's ugly. It's terrible. But you look at the frame and you say, I would like to have that frame's worth $5. So you ask the owner, could I have that frame? And you pick it up and he says, sure, anything to get that out of my store. And you take it home and you're shining it up and you kind of bump to one corner and you see an R come up on it. So you begin to work and chip away and rub around and you see Rembrandt. And you, first you're angry because you say, whoa, who would ever take a great master like that and put it on an ugly picture of that? But then you get the idea that maybe that's not the case and you begin to clean it up and you take hours and hours and hours and you have that painting restored and you see a beautiful picture of Christ and the master, the great master painter, has his name written on it. But that's the way it is. God is spending many, many years as we walk through this life dusting us off, cleaning up our lives, and bringing us back to that place of holiness and beautiful, being restored, taking painstaking eyes. And not only that, you know, he sent his son into the world to die on the cross. And, and the picture here isn't just to have just forgiveness for sin. That's great. But I, see, I'm, I'm a restorationist. I believe God wants to reach into your life and restore you completely. It's a process. God loves you this morning, and you're priceless to him, and he's doing everything in his power to do that. We have to know that we are adopted. God says, I want you for my team. I would like to just one more point this morning and actually this is kind of my message you see I don't think the problem is whether we've been asked to join a team I'm, the question I, I think of it's our part and I would put it this way seize the divine moment or moments be everything but everything that belongs to God must be given to God isn't that what Jesus said you see, it's not enough for you to just recognize that you're in the image of God, but God wants you to give it back to him. We must move from being cowed down and running away from things to move to the front line of participation and find out where God wants us to be. What's the problem again? Let's look at it. 
I think sometimes we're, singing, we're seizing the wrong moments in our life, right? The one moment of the past that haunts us, and we can't get past it. Or we get stuck in a moment. I, I, I don't know, I guess I shouldn't advertise U2's, but you remember 2002, the Grammy-winning album? The famous song was Beautiful. It's the album All That You Can't Leave Behind. But it's this next song, it's called Stuck in the Moment That You Can't Get Out Of. And it goes something like this. I never thought you were a fool, my darling. Look at you. You've got to stand up straight and carry your own weight. These tears are going nowhere, baby. <laughs> you got stuck in a moment of time, and now you can't get out of it. Don't say later is better. Not you're stuck in a moment, and you can't get out of it. How many Christians do I know that is stuck in a moment? And what I would like to do this morning is help you bust out of that and seize what God wants you to seize become out. I, I guess there's another way I would like to put it. Some, some of us have a problem of walking backwards into the future, isn't it? We're looking at our past life and we're seizing the future but we're seizing it like this. Now if I trip... You tell me if I'm getting close, all right? I do not, I, I, I enjoy entertaining you, but I, that's the wrong entertainment. But I want you to go the other direction. I want you to face. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing for the high calling that's in Christ. Back in Deuteronomy, the Israelites were given a choice. The 30th chapter. God said, told him, go up and seize the land that God wants you to have. Go up to Canaan. And this is what God told them. This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you, that I have set before your life, before you, life and death, blessings and cursings. And this is the instruction. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord with your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers Abraham and Jacob I would like to invite you this morning to just start out get on that journey choose the Lord of your life and choose life now I believe God can make the difference see we have put so much emphasis in the Christian world can I, can I just Get a little my pet pizza. We put so much emphasis in the Christian world about avoiding evil that we have virtually become blind to the endless opportunities of doing good. See, I believe God is calling you to do something in His kingdom, and it starts. Maybe it's not getting up front here. I mean, some of you would not want me to get up here and play guitar like Brian. You know what I mean? They, you know, I, my wife when we got married, I we. All the old evangelists back in that day, a lot of them, the, the wife played the accordion. See, that really marks my time. And the evangelist <laughs> played the guitar. So she bought me a Gibson guitar. And I would sit up and I'd practice in my room and practice and practice. And I can hold a few chords and I can do a few runs. But you know, the other college kids got me a, a little record and they gave it to me and says, make me a star check. <laughs> and, it, and it's boom, 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 boom. You know, they could never get the time around. See, I, you know, some of the worship team, if you see that I'm not clapping, I can't clap. 
Now that isn't funny. Now, come on, guys. But you know, it's not just avoiding what is wrong, but it's choosing all the things. You know, this last year has been, I've been, I've been in a situation where I'm, it's not really where I want to be, okay? But because of choices, I went, I've been doing chaplaincy work and I've been doing some other things. I cannot believe the divine moments that God has given me. I told you, I believe, earlier where a satanic worshiper received Christ as a personal Savior. I could tell you story after story how people have come as I have had transformational conversations with them. It's in your workplace. It's in your home. Seize the divine moments. Nobody's smelling that food yet, are you? Take an initiative. That's what you need to do, but listen to me. Knowledge isn't power until you act. It's not enough for you to say, I believe this, until you begin to do it. I'm, the church has gathered in its sanctuary. They have heard the truth, and they could tell you what they ought to believe, but they go out and they live a different way. They don't touch the world that they live in. And I'd like to call you to that that knowledge isn't power until you act. And the second invitation, what I'd like to move you from, is from being passive to passionate. You know, I, 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 I'm going to admit to you that I get carried away when I preach. You know, there's something about when I get into this stuff, I am passionate about it because, you know, there, there's something I feel a burning in my heart. I just want people to see it to such a way that their lives are changed and you are changed and I am changed. I believe that we need to do that. Last I would like to say to you, you need to accept God's invitation. It's not enough for you to just come and sit in church. But God is inviting you to be first string. He is inviting you to come and be involved. Whatever the church, you can't find something to do in the church. I'm, I bet there's some people around there who give you a couple jobs. But it's not just there. It's in your home. It's in your community. It's in the office where you work. It's in the factory, wherever you are where you go into the store and just buy something, seize the divine moments and let God begin to help you. Second, I, I believe that you, first of all, you must accept that you're on a divine mission. If you're a child of God, you're just not walking through life. You're not just getting a little fire insurance. God has called you to some greatness. God has called you to be something more than just a fixture in a church someplace and a member who is paying their tithes, but someone who is vibrantly alive and doing everything that God wants them to do. And I like, this is my, I guess you could never guess that I would love the party, right? That God has invited you to the party. I'm not going to read the whole scripture in Luke. You remember the, the story there. Hearing this, uh, he's talking about, the, uh, Jesus was talking about that so often the church people aren't going to be the ones. God's going to reach the people who are not very religious. And the man hearing this said, sent to the table, said, what a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in God's kingdom. And Jesus replied, there was a man who prepared a feast and he sent out many invitations. But when he invited them back, remember what happened? They all began to make excuse. Well, maybe that's where I should have preached, Right? they all begin to make excuses. The servant came and told the master, and his master was furious. He says, 
Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. Invite the poor, the cripple, the blind, and the lame. What, what do we usually think about some of those categories? I'm honest with you. God hasn't called the righteous and the good people. He's called the hurting, the broken, and he's invited them to the party. Servant reported he'd done all that, and he said, there's still room. He says, go out in the country lanes and behind the hedges and any urge anyone you find. That is pretty complete. If you think that you're not called to be full strength, I'm here to tell you that God is looking into the very, any place he can find. If you just put your hand up and say, yeah, I'll try it. I'm telling you that God wants to come beside you, alongside you, and help you to become everything he created you to become. God loves you this morning. Let me give a couple quotes that I like. You see, it's easier to choose to be invisible. Oh, here in other words are for invisible, average, mediocre, normal, compliant, predictable, safe. It matches a lot of Christians, doesn't it? And the list could go on and on. A more important, the most important decisions of your lives will cause to be to forsake invisibility and to be, risk becoming visible. And whenever you choose to seize the divine moment, you will move from invisibility to visibility. You see, I, one reason I quoted this by uh, Edwin McManus is that, you see, I, I love the story. Have you ever read his life story? As a young boy, his parents called him inside and said, McManus, oh Edwin, you're going to have to go see a doctor. He said, now, understand, there's nothing wrong with you medically, but we believe you need to see a psychiatrist. And the first thing that popped in his mind, he says, I am crazy. They think something's wrong with me. He felt betrayed and he felt condemned and he felt, he, felt like, he felt like screaming at them, you just don't believe in me. You think that I'm just out, out there. I'm, I'm crazy. I have HD and AD. And I'm neurotic. Maybe you think that I'm psychotic. He spent his whole youth being sick all the time. I became the experiment, he says, of the medical team. Are you getting the picture? Some of us get pigeonholed into things that we don't need to be pigeonholed, right? You're told that you're no good. You're told that you're just unable to do anything. Well, this is where I'm here this morning. I believe that God has more for you than to be pigeonholed into those things. Edwin McManus became the cultural architect of the Mosaic Church, the founder of Awaken. International consultant on the future and change, partners with Bethel Theological Seminary and distinguished professor and futurist. If you would go to Wikipedia, you will find out he is one of the 50th, he's in the top 50 Christians influenced world religion around the world. That's the little guy that does have nothing going for him. He's been sick all his life. I want to give you that example because I don't know where you've been pigeonholed. 
or what you've been told. But I'm speaking to you to tell you that God has called you to be first strength. If you haven't already tore it off, if you tore off in your bulletin, would you take your bulletin out? I, I, let's do a little business together. Can we do that? I want to know what God's doing in your life. I, is there some decisions that you need to be making today? Maybe you could say, I want to join the team. There's a little place in there to check. I want to give my heart and life to Christ. Or maybe you just need to get off the bench and it says a couple places to check to renew your commitment to Christ or how to become involved in ministry. Go ahead and check that right now or ask God for a victory. Well, they don't have a space, but there's a common prayer request. Either place an X there or write in what you'd like to see God give you the victory. But I believe this morning is the time you seize this moment and do something with your life. I wonder, let's, let's stand and I hope that you will put that in the offering plate but I would like to pray with you and later as the people come and sing if you would like for some of the believers to gather around you and pray as they sing the next special just gather around the front of the church here and they will come up and pray with you but the most important you need to seize this moment and you need to mark that and place that in the offering that God can help but let us pray God help us to see who we are this morning Help us to join the team. Help us to, to decide that we're not going to be like just going through life and not allowing you to change us. Lord, you love us. It should say something to us when you want to come and have fellowship with us. People who like to hang out with us value us. And you want to hang out with us, Lord. Now, we just pray right now that you would help that person who made that decision to receive you as their personal Savior and Give them the courage to mark that. But Lord, we pray right now the sinner's prayer. Oh God, forgive me a sinner. You know how evil and the sins that I've committed. We ask right now that you would place them under the blood of Jesus. And I believe in the name of Jesus right now. Lord, we pray for that person to have courage to make the commitment. Help them to mark that paper. And in Jesus' name we come. Amen. I don't want to break the atmosphere, but we're ready to go, and you're going to worship her. But we have to high-five a little bit, right? And then you come forward. Or would you do that? Amen. God's going to give you the victory this morning. And now, amen. Amen.